So I wanted to start by introducing today's guest, Mrs. Natalie Roman. Thanks for joining us today, Thanks Natalie. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for coming. Tell us about yourself. So I am a local real estate agent. I'm servicing central New Jersey. I've been an agent for five years now. A little fun fact about me, I'm 100% Greek. I'm a dog mom of two. <laughs> so what, are, what kind of dogs do you have? I have a Yorkie and a Morkie, two little dogs. Which one do you like better? The Yorkie. You like the Yorkie better? Yeah. Now, which one have you had longer? The Morkie. Okay. Wait a minute. You have a Yorkie and a Morkie? Mm -hmm. What's a Morkie? It's a Maltese Yorkie mix. Interesting. I'm not supposed to have favorites, right? We're really not. It happens. The Morkie's Luke and the Yorkie's Lily. She's an angel. She's oh. such an angel. She sit on your lap? Yeah. She travels with me. She was just in Greece for a month. Greece for a month? Yeah. Did you have family over there? Almost everybody. Oh, really? Yeah. How'd you end up here? I don't know. Ask my parents. <laughs> so, all right. So I'm going to come back to Greece in a minute. But you know, the topic of what we're talking about today is going to be time management. And you know, as we all know, time management is critical, whether or not you're an entrepreneur, whether or not you're in real estate, you work a nine to five job, you're a stay-at-home mom or dad, anything that you do, time management, it's, it's critical for success and it's critical for you having a high quality of life. So as a successful businesswoman, Natalie, how do you manage your time? It is difficult. It is very difficult. It was a lot of trial and error. Mm -hmm. I've tried everything you can think of from having two phones and separating Oh, that's fun. Yeah, not fun at all. It worked until it didn't. But it was an advice I got from somebody who was okay. very successful in the industry. And they said, sometimes for your mental health, and if your personality works this way, separate the two. Mm -hmm. Learn to shut off one phone when you need some time for yourself yeah, and vice versa. It was fun. I mean, it worked. Walking around with two phones. That's too much. That's right? too much. Where do you put them? Exactly. Right? <laughs> All right, so you bring up time blocking, and I had the opportunity to be in a meeting yesterday with an extremely successful businesswoman who owns multiple companies that I respect a lot. And she had written on the board one thing, time blocking. Because as we all know, time is money, right? And you have to be able to manage your time correctly. So when you're managing your time, like walk me through that. What's your process? So this is recent. Okay. I have never been a morning person, but now I make it my goal to wake up extremely early in the morning. Okay, define extremely early. 5, 6 a.m., anywhere okay. between then. I'll wake up early and I'll take that time for myself until the workday starts. I'll okay. exercise, I will read, I will eat, I will do whatever I can to put myself in a proper mindset mm -hmm. to be very productive and effective throughout the day. Now, when you set your schedule, Natalie, are you setting it th at that time in the morning? No, I've created a little outline. I okay. sat down and I figured out with my attention span and, and how productive I can be, I have put everything in 15, 30 minute increments. Okay. Some things in our industry we need to be consistent with. Right. So there are some tasks in a day that I do every day, every week. So that's- So you got reoccurring things on the calendar, they're hitting at the same time. Right, and then there's other to-do lists that come up as the day goes on and I have time blocks for those to-do lists. Okay. You know, I just want to go back to mindset for one second because we're very similar like that. I do the same thing. I get up very early in the morning and part of my process is I'm drinking a cup of coffee. I'm really trying to program myself for the day. Mm -hmm. You know, the thing that I find works against me is, you know, I'm kind of racy, right? And how do I take the time to calm it all down and then get everything out in front of me? Because I'm a firm believer if you're calm state of mind, you can really do anything. Absolutely. There was a time in my career where I was still learning what works best for me and what system works best for me. Mm -hmm. And there was a time where I would just look at my to-do list for the day 
be extremely overwhelmed and then have stress for the sure. rest of the day. And it affected everything else and everybody else around me. Yeah, no, that may, that makes sense, especially if you're in a relationship, you're married. Yeah. And you don't want to not give the attention that your spouse deserves. Right. And we were talking a little bit off air about what the obsession can be with your cell phone. Right, it's almost trial and error. And why don't you talk a little bit about your experience with that? Well, the reason why I get, came into the two phone uh, mentality was because I would go out to dinner with my husband mm. and it would be our quality time to spend time together after a long busy day, right? Mm -hmm. And I would be on my phone working. Food would come, I'd still be on my phone answering emails, answering texts, calls, and there was no effort without realizing it to spend time with my husband. Sure. And so I realized that getting a second phone would be good because then I can turn it off right. when I'm out to dinner with my family. Right. Well, and it's good, you know, if you're going to have a healthy state of mind, you're going to have any type of balance in life at all, you got to make sure that you're drawing a line somewhere. Yeah. You just can't work all the time. No. And that's like a society thing in the United States. Like people feel like they got to work all the time. Well, it's that American dream that they sold us, right? And I think it's just overall in this country, we, if you compare the way we work to maybe in Europe, right. every system has flaws, right? There's pros and cons to every country where you live and where you work, but we really do work, live to work here. Right. Well, you know what? And it's that age old thing. Are you, are you working, are you living to work or are you working to live? Right. Now you just came back from Greece. What's the lifestyle there? Um, are they grinding it like we are? No, <laughs> no, they are living life. They are enjoying yeah. life over there. In a different culture, different mindset. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's when I was in Italy, it was the same thing. And you can't help but when you're there, you kind of get drawn to the whole thing. You start yeah. thinking, well, I can live here. Yeah. No problem. You have a lot of your families over yeah. there. And they're living a high quality life. They are. They're enjoying themselves. And I'm at the beach with my computer. <laughs> right. Well, hey, you know what? But you're time blocking. Exactly. So that, that pays off. So how do you stick to a schedule? Because things, things are just reactive by nature. How do you stick to your schedule? Well, I think it's really important to be very fluid and to yeah. constantly keep assessing where you are at. Um, because it is very easy to get pulled in mm -hmm. to the extra workload that comes in. And sometimes things do come up, right? Some things come up in your schedule where you do have to readjust and, and reassess the day. Um, so I think it is very important to stay fluid. But what I was taught and something that's amazing mm -hmm. is if you take away that 30 minutes at 9 a.m. that you had, you have to replace it. You have to put it somewhere else in the day and make sure you get it done. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. So you can have a fluid schedule. We have time blocking, but sometimes you got to shuffle the times mm -hmm. a little bit. You do. You got, right? So how do you avoid any type of interruptions? Oh, the, it's hard. Yeah. Getting distracted is very, it's common. It's very easy to do. Um, but that's why I set it to that 15, 30 minutes because I can focus for 15 minutes, take a little break, and then go on to my next task. Right. You know what I find in, in my life, you know, I, I time block. I do the same thing as you. I, I try to time block everything, but we, you're, we're in a reactive profession, right? And not just our profession, a lot of professions. Things get in the way. But to your point, just making sure that you're reshuffling the deck mm -hmm. and that you're not killing something from your schedule, but you're adjusting for the time on it. Exactly. You know, because things have to get done. And I'm also a firm believer in, you know, get the things that are most important done first. Do you do a to-do list? I do. How critical do you find that? It's amazing. It helps me stay focused. Mm -hmm. It really does. But I actually also have been taught that you really should do the hardest tasks first. When your mindset is right there after in yeah. the morning and you set yourself up, 
do the hard stuff first so then you're not thinking about it later on. You know, I read a book that was about eating the big frogs first. And it really, that's really what it was about is, okay, let me get the hardest things off my agenda right out of the gate and the rest of the day flows so much more efficiently. And it's so interesting because human nature is you're always kind of defaulting those things. You're always, right? You're always like, all right, how do I put this hardest thing off to the end? And at the end of the day, what do you do? You think about it. It's true. Right? It's sitting in your head saying, oh, I didn't do that yet. And then by the time you get to it later on in the day, you're tired. Maybe your mindset has shifted. Maybe you're thinking about dinner. You never know. Right. And that will also affect, I think, your job performance and your productivity. No question about it. You know, we live in a, uh, a business in a world of, you know, things just, things just hit the fan. <laughs> and you got to be able to be adaptable to it. Yeah. So I want to talk to you for, so time blocking is obviously critical, but I want to talk to you also about your feelings on multitasking because you hear the term all the time. Hey, I'm multitasking. What are your thoughts on that? I actually think I do it. I multitask. We all do, but I really think you shouldn't. I, I think that it's extremely distracting. And if you are multitasking and doing two things at once, you are bound to make a mistake somewhere or you're going to lack in something and you won't be able to complete that task the right way. You know what, I, I, my feeling on multitasking is it's not even a term that applies to human beings. So when they first came up with the term multitasking, it was used to define computers and CPU, CPU usage. So you know how you look at your CPU and you can see it's working on different tasks? And a computer has the ability to focus on two things independently at the same time. And I don't think human beings can do that. I think when you're knee deep into a task, to, to think that you can do something at the same time, really what's happening is you're stopping this task, you're moving on to that task. And then when you're done with that task, you come back to the other task and you don't even pick up where you left off. You literally got to pick up prior to where you left off just to get to where you were at and then finish it. So at the end of the day, I just think it takes more time. I think so too. Right, you get the time aspect of it and then you have the, you have the focus aspect of it. I just think it's, I think it's a term that gets thrown around that's completely irrelevant for it what really we do. It really does. And it ruins our attention span. I think it makes it worse. Right. I think so. You know, it's so difficult in today's day and age because, you know, we grew up in, in different generations, right? And in the modern age where you have your cell phone all the time, we're built to not have high attention spans. Yeah. I mean, when you're on your phone, how many different things are you doing? It's right? true. I can't live without my phone. Right. But it definitely affects everything else. Right. Right. And you're smart enough to, you know, at least put some procedures into place yeah. to eliminate that. Right. Hey, what time am I shutting my phone off? Yeah. And do you have a deadline when you're like, OK, I can't work anymore? It's a lot later than it should be. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk to other people in, in the industry and our colleagues and we see what time their shutoff is. Mine's a little late, but it's a progress because there was a time a few years ago where I would work till one in the morning. If a client texted me at one, two in the morning, I would get out of bed and write that email back. Mm -hmm. And I had to realize that if I'm not getting enough sleep at night, that's going to affect how I take care of my clients the next morning. No question. So I realized that some things can actually wait until the next day. You know, most things can wait until the next day. You know, unless you're a brain surgeon or you're someone that's on call that has to go do some significant thing, it can wait. Yeah. It can always wait. Yep. And then when you're kind of coming back to the multitasking uh, conversation that we were having is, okay, you're in bed. It's one o'clock in the morning. 
oh, I got to respond to this right away. It completely shifts the pattern you were in. And then you get back into bed, what are you thinking about? The email you just sent. Absolutely. And it just gets it, you get into a spiraling loop on it. Now, do you go right to sleep? No. No? I'll read. You, you read? I will read before I go to bed every night. Now, how long do you read for? 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, however long it takes for me to fall asleep. Do you have a hard time falling asleep? Yeah. Hmm. Now, why is that? What are you thinking about? Work. <laughs> <laughs> no. Have you tried meditation? Yeah. Does it work? <laughs> Nothing helps except reading. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, you have to find what works best for you, and everybody has different personalities. Sure. So you have to find that sweet spot where you are taking care of your health, your physical health, mm -hmm. and balancing everything else out. I mean, for me, I don't sleep a lot. I don't need a lot of sleep mm -hmm. in order to be extremely productive. Sure. Six hours, I'm happy. Seven hours, I'm happy. But I learned that. Mm. Some people need eight hours, 10 hours, and so on. Right. And that's an important thing to, to know about yourself, how much sleep you actually need. I think yep. it's trial and error. Yeah. And you know what? And to, to your point, hey, whether or not you're reading, you're working out, it's going to be something to decompress. Yeah. You know? So, and that's an important part of keeping a stable state of mind. And clearing out your mind, yes, in order to be able to relax. No, no question about it. All right. So, so we talked about multitasking. I want to ask you a question about work-life balance. Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts on it? You can never have a real balance. You can never have a perfect balance, right? But you can try your absolute best to find something that works for you. Right. You know, I, I read, a, read another book about work-life balance because I can remember maybe 15 years ago, I had a boss come in and say, hey, you need a work-life balance. And I was like, what are you talking about? Work-life balance, well, like, to me, I, at the time, I was like, it was a new thing in the corporate America, work-life balance. And you need to be able to take time for yourself. And I remember at the time, I'm thinking to myself, I, I agree with that. Like, your body of work has to be balanced. However, your day-to-day, -day, it's not balanced. You know, I mean, sometimes you just, you're just working for 12 or 13 hours. Mm. You can't have balance that day. And you really need to create that balance in the big picture and not think you're going to accomplish it on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think you also need to prioritize and think about what's important that week for you. Right. What do you need to take time to accomplish, do, be with, et cetera. And as long as you fit that in your schedule in the week, mm -hmm. again, being fluid is really important. Now, do you find yourself scheduling personal, personal time? Sometimes. Okay. Sometimes. I like to put things in calendar. I like to see things in writing because then it reminds me that I need to take a break right now. I need to go be with my friends and my family. Sure. And, and you'll put it right into your schedule. I do. And because you, if I don't, I will forget about it. I'll keep working and mm -hmm. I'll get distracted. Do you shut down when you have this time scheduled? I do. Do you? I do. That's fantastic. But it took me, I would say it took me four years in my field of work to actually figure that out. Hmm. You know, I think that's one of the biggest challenges people have is, hey, they know they're going to schedule time and they're going to do something socially, but they're still glued to their phone. Now, if it's an emergency yeah. and if it's something very important, then my clients will have my undivided attention. But if it's something that can wait, I need to, to be with my friends and my family and my loved ones, and I need to cultivate and take care of those relationships as well. You do. Mm -hmm. You do. I always looked at it like recharging your batteries. Yes. 
you know, I do it with my wife and my kids. We're like, I need this downtime so I can be better at what I do. Yeah. And if you don't have, I personally believe if you don't have an overall healthy balance, it's going to affect your relationships. People are going to notice that. Right. And that's not good either. No, not at all. So, you know, I want to, we're going to take a quick break, Natalie, but I want to come back and pick up on this talk topic about work-life balance, about multitasking, about time management. So we're going to go to a quick commercial. We'll be back. We'll be catching up with Natalie Roman and myself in a few minutes. We'll be right back at you. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Greg Wareham with Natalie Roman. Thanks again for joining us, Natalie. So I wanted to come back to your trip to Greece because when you look at work-life balance, that's great. I mean, you have plenty of balance being, you know, where you're at in your, in your homeland and being with your family. But how did you possibly stay on top of work while you were out there? So I had a plan ahead. I have been going to Greece my whole life. Okay. And I try to go every single year, whether that's for a week or for a month. I always like to go visit my family and mm -hmm. my friends. But I have to plan ahead. I'm going to be gone for this amount of time. What can I do in preparation for that? Set my clients up. Make sure I wrap everything up that's important. Mm -hmm. And then while I'm away, I time block still. I will take an hour of my vacation time every single day and I'll try to stay up to date with what's going on in the market, check in with my clients. You know, I bet it's especially difficult too being there because there's a time difference. There is. Right? There is. It was seven hours ahead. So okay. I would start working in the afternoon over there, which is morning time here, and it mm -hmm. worked out. Okay. When you are away for such a long time, you're also taking a risk of losing that engagement with right. people and with what's going on back at home, right? Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't necessarily time block it. I would just take a little bit of time every single day, go through my phone, see what's going on. But I really, really try to stay in the moment mm -hmm. of what I was doing and where I was because it was helping me yeah. recharge. And when I come back home to work, I would feel refreshed and ready to go. And did you? Yes. You know, yeah, that's, fan that's fantastic. And you know, it's just great that you can, can go there for an extended period of time, especially in a face-to-face -face job that you have, and make sure that you're able to kind of accommodate everybody while you're at and still took the time for yourself. That's great. Yeah. Now, do you have any other trips planned to Greece? In a few months. <laughs> oh, but really? Go back? For a very short time, just a few days. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Is someone, any event out there? No, just going to go see my grandma. Oh, that's yeah. fantastic. Now, do you call her your Nana? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it, right? Oh, yeah, 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 that's great. So, all right, so same thing around. You just make sure that you're prepared and that you've blocked everything out accordingly. Yeah, and I think it's good to have a support system back at home as well. So I have wonderful colleagues who can step in if they need to, mm -hmm. to take care of something for me. So that's also very good. Well, it's a good... Uh, good example of why you need to have work with others. Yes. Right? I mean, I think, and I think that in our country, that people feel like they got to do everything themselves. And the reality of the situation is no one's ever succeeded on their own, ever. I've heard, so, I have be self-made this, self-made that. It's complete nonsense because there's always been someone along the way that's helped you get where you need to be. So your network of people that you're surrounded with and that you work with, they're able to help support that while you're gone. Yeah, absolutely. And it's good to offer the same to them. And I think it's very important because if I am overwhelmed with work and I'm constantly burning out and doing everything myself and putting everything on my plate, that is going to affect how well I take care of my clients out mm -hmm. in the field. 
And if I can't be 100% there for them, they're not going to want to work with me. And I think that's the that's a great point. And I think that's the big miss. You know, people just, they don't understand you're better when you've had you time. Absolutely. You're just better. Absolutely. You it, need to put yourself first a little bit in order to take care of others the right way. So, Natalie, I want to go back to Greece for a second. Because I know when we were off air, we were chatting about how you extended your stay there. And when you extend a stay like that, you know, what pushes you to that decision? And, you know, what are the, what were the pros and cons associated with it? So I actually, there's many times when I do go to Greece where I don't buy a return ticket. Hmm. And I figure out when it's time for me to come home while I'm out there. Mm -hmm. The reason being is because I want to spend as much time as I can with family. And when I go out there, it's not really vacation. You know, people think, oh, Greece, Santorini. Right. You know, you're living the life. But my focus when I go out there is to spend as much time as I can with my grandparents, right. with other friends and family members that I only see once a year. You know, here, a lot of families have the luxury to be able to drive down to their cousin's house and their aunt and uncle's house and spend time together. Sure. I have to fly nine and a half hours to go see them. Sure. So that's very important to me. So if I feel like my family needs more time with me while I'm out there, I will stay longer. When you do that, how does it impact you negatively from a work standpoint? Well, we're not working. We yeah. don't get paid time off. We're not salary-based. So if we're not here working, we're not making money. So I also have to factor that in that, okay, I'm going to be gone. There's going to be a month where we're not generating anything, mm -hmm. um, but it's more important. And what are the pros with it? I feel better. I feel more relaxed. I get to recharge and I'm building healthy relationships and I'm maintaining those healthy relationships and I'm not being selfish with my time. Right. And then you come back, you come back recharged, yeah. recharged and ready to go. Yeah. That's great. Is there any t specific actions that you had to take to make sure that you could extend the stay as it came to work? Yeah, it's difficult. Um, of course, with got to save money, right? Yeah. You need to allocate to make sure that if you're gone for so long, things can keep running back at home. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's just really, as crazy as it sounds, a leap of faith. I like that. Yeah, I just, I don't overthink it. You want to go away, go away, go on that vacation, go take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Your problems or whatever is waiting back at home will still be there when you come back and you, go you can tackle it with a clear head. Yeah, you know what? It's such a great point. I just look at, uh, you know, it's funny behind the scenes in the in the Wareham residence. We really didn't take a vacation this year, and we're that we had went away between Christmas and New Year, and we went to Disney World. You know, even as the kids get bigger, that's still where they want to go. We went there, we had a great time, and I don't remember ever not taking vaca a vacation from January through what's already almost into the fourth quarter of this year. Really? Yeah, and I can and I can feel it. I can feel the fact that maybe my fuse is a little bit shorter than it usually is, right? Or maybe at times my attention span is a little bit shorter than it usually is. Yeah, I mean, vacation is a form of self-care. Yeah. And it's you can talk to many people and some people will say yes, some people will say no. I personally believe it's a form of self-care. You go away, you're being selfish with your time, you're taking care of yeah. yourself, you're enjoying some time off with your friends, your family, your loved ones, whoever it may be, and you're also seeing something new and you're changing the landscape. Yeah. And it really helps. 
I like to go away every other month, whether it's for a little weekend or a week. A lot of people will say it's very impractical and a waste of money. I see it as a complete opposite. Yeah. As soon as I feel like I'm burning out, I'm out, yep. I come back 10 times better. Yeah. You know, it's really, you know, we talked about, we started the show off by talking about time management. It's really about time value. Yeah. And the value with that time. And, you know, I was telling you my story about really not going away this week and I'm self-aware of it. And so we already booked your vacations for next Good. year Good. because you have to. We do. You absolutely have to. And to your point, whether or not that's a long weekend or that's a week or whatever it is, or it's a month, doesn't matter. Or whatever, a night. Overnight. Or a night. Whatever it is that you need to make sure that you have the right time value to be able to recharge yourself, which then in turn makes you a better, makes you a better spouse if that's your situation, makes you a better employee, makes you a better entrepreneur, makes you a better father, mother, uh, child, whatever it is. Absolutely. Because you come back much more. There is something to the Zen approach to things, right? There is. Where you take that that mind, body, spirit, and with the rat race that we live in in this country, a lot of times that's vacation. It gives you the real thorough mind, body, spirit. Yeah. So we were talking a little bit about goals as well. And in a, in a sales profession, you know, some of the goals that you have are, you know, how much business that you want to do and how, and how much money that is. But, you know, transcending that, what other type of goals do you find yourself having personally? That's a very good question. Um, I want to reel it back a little bit before I go into my goals. When I first started in this job and I started and I entered this industry, everyone was saying, set your goals, set your goals, set your goals. And I was always thinking, okay, a goal as a real estate agent, what I want to accomplish this year and what I want to accomplish next year. That's all I was focusing on. Mm -hmm. And it got to the point where it affected everything around me and I had a breakthrough moment where I said, I need to reevaluate so much and myself mm -hmm. and prioritize other goals. It's not just about work. It's not just about business. Mm -hmm. And so I have from the silliest goals to the biggest goals, anything from, you know, Pilates. Yeah. I wanted to get into that more to maybe expanding from being just a real estate agent and doing something else that can help consumers. Eventually, we want to start a family too. So I also want my goals to support that future decision and that future step as well. Sure. No, that makes sense, Natalie. You know, I think sometimes people can put, you put a goal out there or, you know, I'm going to be a real estate agent. And then the next goal next to that could be something that's like a, a big obnoxious goal. Yeah. Right? And it's not that you can't get to the big obnoxious goal because anybody can do anything. It's what's the process associated with it. So, you know, I want to be in sales and, and I'm going to sell real estate or I'm going to then maybe I'm buying investment properties right. or maybe I have a goal where I want to be an entrepreneur and I want to own a company. And then the build off of that is something else and just kind of. And in that process, it's also the personal goal buildup. You know, do I, do I want to expand the family? You know, do I want to buy a new house? Do I want to have X amount of vacations a year? You know what I mean? And just kind exactly. of making a nice synergistic, you know, lifestyle. You know, like we were talking about earlier, there's no real end game to goals. No. It's, it's more about the process of getting there. You know, one of the things that, that I learned at a, at a later age, probably around 40, I used to think, I want to retire. I want to retire. And I want to retire at 50, 55 years old. 
And, you know, it's funny, my coach uh, said to me, he goes, what are you talking about? I was like, well, yeah, I mean, I got a goal. I want to retire when I'm 55 years old. And he was like, and do what? I said, I don't know. <laughs> and, you know, in his perspective on it was just that, listen, there's no end game. We're programmed in this country to think that we're going to work a job or do a certain thing. And then we get to this end goal of retirement, retiring. But the, but the reality is if you retire, where's the future growth on it? You know, as individuals, you know, we want to grow and we want to grow every day, every month, every year and so forth. And I got news for people. There's no end game to anything. You know, this is about how do you build on the previous accomplishment to do more and more and more and more. And that's not necessarily monetarily. Right. That could be personal growth. That could be fitness growth. That could be how do you help others grow, right? You know, do I want to be in some sort of charitable thing? You know, can I provide ho housing for people that are less fortunate? And always building and building. So I wanted to share that because it was like an epiphany to me at the time. We're like, right, I don't want to retire. And I'm never going to retire. And you know what happened? The pressure came off. Because mm -hmm. you're thinking, hey, I got to get to this timeline. And I got to save X amount of money. You got to do all these things. No, there is no timeline. Life's fluid. It's, just like your schedule yes and yeah. it's so true sometimes you say example i want to buy a car next year mm -hmm. what if you get there next year and you can't buy that car your mindset you, it's you're thinking you're negative you're sad you're upset you're mad at yourself so you're right that's a great point because all you're doing is setting yourself up for failure and i'm not minimizing the fact that people have goals and things that they want and things they want to accomplish uh, i'm just saying that there's no end game to it, right? Right. And time is fluid. You know, you're going to get there when you get there and all you can do is put your best effort forward and enjoy the process of what you're doing. Exactly. Couldn't agree more. So tell me about your day-to-day -day schedule and what you do. Oh, that's a great question. Oh, you're interviewing me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my schedule is, you know, I'm up at probably 5.30 in the morning. I get up, Natalie. And I have the coffee made the night before. So I get up, have my cup of coffee. I sit on the couch by myself. And as we were talking about before, it, that's like a mental cleansing process for me. So for me, and I think I mentioned this earlier, all I'm focused on is relaxing. You know, because I wake up, boom, I'm ready to go. And I'm kind of racing. I'm like, okay, well, let me get the day out in front of me. Let me relax everything. Almost a kind of meditation for that first 30 minutes of the day. I get ready, I, I'm in the office. And I'm usually in the office by about eight o'clock in the morning. And during that time, that's when I'm planning out a lot of what I didn't uh, maybe schedule prior. I'm planning out, okay, what are the activities I have to do today? I have a to-do list, just like you do. So I set that to-do list and then I, I execute on it. I'm a reader, so I usually will read somewhere between like 8.30 to 9.00. You know, it's funny, we were uh, shooting some video. Uh, Nick followed me around. And for those of you that don't know, Nick's my producer, showing, okay, from the time I come into this office and then I'm out doing a presentation at a real estate office by 10 o'clock. And then I was shooting video for agents until one o'clock. And then I'm spending from one o'clock until four o'clock, really catching up 
on all my emails and all the mortgage pre-approvals I needed to do, new customers that are calling me, people in process. And that's a fluid process. Mm -hmm. So you can't really time block for that. A lot of times I'll do that in between. The other day to kind of go down that alley with it is, and I had an event that started at 4.30. And it was an event that I had with a group of people uh, masterminding. It was really awesome. I mean, it was a mastermind with about 12 different people talking about the current market conditions, you know, how we're going to work together to drive more business, what are some of our marketing practices, and really trying to, to coach with people, for people and with people to get better at what we're doing. That ended at 7 o'clock at night. At 7.15, I was on another call with about 25 people uh, doing a little bit of coaching on that. And they pulled in my driveway at 8 o'clock. Went into the house, I returned my emails, returned any other phone calls that I had, and that was it. So, so that's, that's kind of a typical day. You know, I do like to make sure I'm getting to the gym and spending time with the family. It's the, it's the most important part of the day. You know, my wife and I are usually doing something together, watching a show or talking uh, in the evening, and I'm in bed at 10. That's good. 10 o'clock, I'm in bed. I'm getting there. And you know what's funny? I'm one of those people that... Let me back up for a second. So I went to this event in Point Pleasant. It was a comedy night last week. And there was a comedian talking about things that he despises about people. And one of them was people that just go to sleep right away. <laughs> and he's talking about how he's got like a freight train going through his head the whole time. And I hate people. Or I despise people. He didn't use hate. I despise people and go to bed right away. I'm that guy. I'm literally, I go to bed, I'm sleeping in five minutes. I don't know what that's like. I used to go to bed around three, four in the morning since I was a teenager. Really? Me going to bed around midnight or before midnight, huge progress. And reading is the only thing that calms me down or else I am up and wired. I'll clean my house at three in the morning. I'll do the laundry. So I had to stop all that. Wow. Oh, well, you're high rev, yeah. high energy. What kind of books do you read? Do you read fiction, nonfiction? Everything you can think of. Okay. I started off with one genre and then I really expanded business books, nonfiction, history, fiction, anything you can think, self-help books, anything okay. that is interesting to me okay. that can add value, but also give me a little bit of entertaining at the same time. Mm -hmm. I'm very open-minded. You know, I get a great author for you. Yeah. His name's Adam Grant okay. and it's all nonfiction and he, he teaches at Wharton. So he teaches uh, Wharton, he teaches a, b a bunch of different classes there, as I understand it. I think he's a therapist by trade, okay. and he talks about human behavior and relates it back to iconic people that you would know. I'll give you a great example. So he was talking about the subject was procrastinating. And we're kind of from the mindset that, well, you don't procrastinate. You do everything right away. And in one, A, that's probably an American thing. <laughs> And, you know, it's a high rev thing, too, as well. You know, people, oh, I got to get it done. I got to get it done. But he was using Martin Luther King as an example. And he was talking about the I Have a Dream speech, one of the most iconic speeches ever. And Martin Luther King was writing that speech the night before he spoke. Really? Yep. I did not know that. And he was literally making changes to the speech as he was walking up to the podium. And we know what an amazing speech it was. And his perspective, this author's perspective on it was, if you incubate on something long enough before you actually perform the task, that procrastination 
where you didn't do it, you know, all up front, you incubated on it and then you banged it out, can give you a very high level of performance. Why? And it was a different perspective. And that was my answer to it, or my reaction was like, wow, it's like really impactful. But anyways, Adam Gray, yeah, check him out. Yeah, I'm going to Some read really, it. really, really good book. I'm going to read it. So that's the day in the life of Greg. It's not very exciting, but... We wear a lot good. of hats in our field of work, a lot of hats. And some of them can feel like another full-time job. Yeah. So I personally, it's easy for me to feel very overwhelmed very easily. Now, what's your process for getting decompressed from being overwhelmed? Self-care. Okay. A lot of self-care for me. I think it's very important to prioritize taking care of myself in any way possible. It gives me that one hour of relaxation time. Okay. You know, it's funny. We were off air and Natalie had asked me, how do I uh, handle my self-care? Yeah. And my reaction was, well, what do you mean? Like the lotion I put on? <laughs> She's like, never mind. Never mind, old man. <laughs> you know, get it. Uh, but no, self-care, I mean, it, it is critical part of it. I believe that we, because we all get overwhelmed. And at times you can get overwhelmed on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think if you pull the camera back and you look at things for what they are, then it just becomes, okay, let me look at it. How am I gonna now break this down to accomplish all these remaining items? Yep. Where I think people get overwhelmed if you don't have the ability to pull the camera back and look at it for what it is, it, it, it absorbs you. It absorbs you and it perpetuates the stress. Someone once told me, they said, put all of your to-do list, everything that's overwhelming you, all the tasks, write them on a little piece of paper, put all those little pieces of papers on the table, just throw them on the table, hmm. and then look at the pile from afar and just shuffle the pieces around and organize it, put it into little piles, and it'll feel so much better when you can tackle it on that way. Yeah, that's great advice, and it's true. You know, life is, life can be very overwhelming, but life is just the process of activities and tasks. And where we miss so much is we miss the enjoyment of the process. Yeah. Right? We're always trying to get to the end game or the goal. And there is no end game. And there is no goal. No. And we're always thinking about the next thing and the next thing. And we really should focus on what's going on at this given moment in time. You know, I just said that there is no goal. And maybe the goal is just happiness. Yeah. You know, how do you get to that place? Uh, do you set goals? I do. Okay. I what do. Do your, what do your goals look like? Like, what kind of goals do you set? So, of course, with our field of work, because we are independent contractors, right, and we're running our own little business, we have to set goals for our business. Yes. Um, but I also set little goals for myself, where I see myself uh, in my marriage, with my dogs, um, things I want to get done this quarter, next quarter, that are selfish goals. Sure. Um, I want to go get a facial next month. That's a goal. You know, just little things. Just it's a good little goal. things to get you excited sure. as well and motivate you. Right. Now, do you find yourself enjoying the process? Yeah. Do you? Yeah, I do. You strike me as somebody that does. You got a really good energy and you got a good, uh, you have a good personality. I, I was never like that, though. It, I, it was a lot of training myself mentally to enjoy what's going on instead of always thinking about everything else. Mm -hmm. It took me a few years. You know what, I, I, one of the things I really appreciate about you is that you're spending the time with your self-care of really breaking down how you think and how I can, how you can help yourself mentally. How do I help myself mentally? How do I enjoy stuff more? How do I, how do I 
look at what I'm doing and make changes mentally that are going to benefit me in the long term. Yeah. I think also everything is very connected. Yeah. Everything from how we feel about ourselves to how we think about ourselves and what's going on around us. All that is connected and it affects everything else. Mm -hmm. So. Do you have a coach? I don't, but I have some amazing mentors I look up to and go to. And are you able to talk to them about personal things, personal growth, as well as business growth? Yeah. I think having a coach or a mentor is very important. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. You know, we talked about the gym and we talk about work and we talk about things we want to do with our family. We talk about all these things. But one of the most overlooked things in this country is the self-care that, that you had mentioned, Natalie, and taking care of our mind. Mm -hmm. You know, we live in this world of, you know, you have to look a certain way. We have to dress a certain way and we're focused on these things, but yet we don't take the time to better ourselves mentally. And I got news for everybody. The game is taking care of yourself mentally. That's the goal. The brain is a very complex thing, yeah. right? Once you figure out how it works and you learn the basics, it's so easy to navigate. So I read this book and it's called Ninja Selling, mm. a wonderful book. And one of the things it talked about is a healthy mindset. So instead of saying, I am in debt, and you constantly focus on the negative, you change the way you think about that. Yeah. I am clear and free. Mm -hmm. And you change the way you think about the smallest little things in your life, and you turn it into a positive, mm. and you see how much your, your mental health gets better on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, you know, it's that old adage, the half glass full, yes. half, half empty, and how you really approach it. And it takes effort to approach it from the right paradigm. Yes. You know, the amount of, let's just talk about the, the current real estate market, right? You look at real estate market, you look at the mortgage market right now, it's uh, it's difficult market. And not for just us being in it, but it's a difficult market for people looking to buy a home, people looking to sell a home. And you got one of two options. You can say, it's a terrible market. And you go down the list of challenges and rates and the values are high and you know all these things. Or you can approach it from an optimistic perspective as to what's the opportunity. Exactly. Right? I mean, what's the opportunity and how am I going to gear myself in a fashion where I'm opportunity-based and I'm not excuse-based? Yes. And it's liberating. Yes. It's liberating. Now, that sounds great on, on paper. It sounds great in this conversation. The reality is we all got a problem with that. We got to go back and forth and being hard. able to kind of reel yourself back in. It's so, very hard and going through that process. It was a fantastic conversation, Natalie. I really appreciated that. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I want to thank everyone out there for watching today and listening on our podcast. Just to kind of recap really quickly, I mean, we talked about time management today. And we looked at time management, and we talked about multitasking, some of the myths associated with multitasking. We talked about uh, time blocking. And we also talked about, you know, goals and mental state of mind and self-care. So I hope you found it educational. I hope you pulled one nugget out of it. And we appreciate you listening and watching. We look forward to catching up with you next year. Thanks, guys. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Your Mortgage Process, hosted by Greg Wareham, produced by Greg Wareham and Nick Pavise at The Social Rift, and executively produced by The Social Rift. Thank you again for tuning in, and we look forward to catching up with you next week.